The biggest impact right away uh, that AI can have on global healthcare is really going to be felt in the emerging economies or frontier economies. So this is where access to healthcare is very limited and AI systems are prone to making mistakes, but so are humans. So basically uh, it's better to have some access to healthcare rather than not having access at all. Welcome to the Financial Commute, a weekly podcast that gives you the rundown on what's going on in the current market, how it affects you, and what you can do about it, all designed to fit into your commute. I'm your host, Chris Koleski, and each week I share the table with a knowledgeable guest, including Morton Wealth Advisors, fund managers, and investment analysts, to break down complex financial topics. Our goal is to provide you with the tools to help you navigate any market environment, leading to a path of more confident investing. Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for being here. Great crowd, so we're excited to be here. I'm Sasan Faiz, Managing Director of Investments, along with uh, Mike Rideau, Wealth Advisor at Morton Wealth. Uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, AI, artificial intelligence, which has been a hot topic all year. Uh, when Mike and I uh, were told we were going to do a session on AI, we asked that our session not to be scheduled right before lunch and not right after lunch, but, but apparently we just got scheduled right at lunch. So hof hopefully it's interesting enough to keep you all engaged. Uh, we're going to start uh, by talking a little bit about AI, its background, define some ter uh, terms in AI, then we're going to move on to adoption phase of AI for organizations and companies, what challenges they face. We're going to then go into the really more, most important part of the presentation, some of the real-life implications of AI and how it's actually affecting uh, our lives and the society in general. We'll have a brief uh, discussion on uh, risks and regulation, and then we'll uh, finish it up with, with some concluding remarks, and we're going to do that all in 20 minutes. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Mike. No, thanks, Hassan, and I'm, I'm excited to be on stage with you. I think this is going to be a, a fun day. Um, I wanted to start with a little bit of, of history and, and kind of give a definition of AI before we move forward. So when you think artificial intelligence, um, a high-level definition are machines and computers that are made to think and learn like humans and then complete a task. Uh, what we're going to be more talking about today is generative AI, and generative AI uses AI systems to generate original content. So this content like images, sounds, music, movies, um, and this content is created through natural language. So what do I mean by that? Well, an example would be, you know, I love to, to read my kids' bedtime stories, and the same 20 to 30 bedtime stories get old, and I lose engagement for my children. But I figured out a little hack for life, and I could go on ChatGPT, and I can type in, write me a children's bedtime story that's focused on the main character named Ryder, who's a young boy. I wanted to involve robots. I wanted to have ghosts. And you know, I wanted to have a couple of the Paw Patrol characters. And lo and behold, it'll give me a five-minute story that I could then read to my son and keep him engaged because it's things that he's interested in. Um, and the story's actually good, like, similar to Sasan's jokes that he got from ChatGPT. But, uh, <laughs> um, so aside from that, 
let's go a little bit into the history of AI. AI has been around for decades. Um, back in the 1980s, IBM started a program with Carnegie Mellon. Uh, and that program was to develop a, a system called Deep Blue, which was a supercomputer that was made for chess. Fast forward to 1997, had uploaded a tremendous amount of data. That, that supercomputer was able to process that data to make decisions. And the computer was actually able to beat the world champion in chess named Kasparov. And that was a huge milestone. Um, and if you look at that next evolution of what AI can do today, instead of having to upload massive amounts of data to where each move has an implication, all you need to do for current AI is give them the rules of the game. If you give, type in the rules of, of chess in modern AI, it'll be able to run its own simulations and then probably beat whoever the current reigning champion of chess is. So it's come a long way. Um, another way that you could look at the history of AI is just through uh, virtual assistants. Back in the 90s, we had chatbots where you would go on a website and a little box would come up and it would say, you know, how can I help you? And you say, oh, I want to know the store hours. And it could provide basic information, but you had to type in the question correctly for it to give you the answer. Um, and if you didn't, then you wouldn't get the answer that you were intending to get. That evolved back in the 2000s um, to basic voice command, where we remember the original Surrey or Microsoft Cortana, where you could set an alarm or send a simple text or do basic tasks. And now look to the 2010s and current day, um, that has been revolutionized completely to where it's integrated into our daily life at a very high level. We have our smart speakers that we use and ask questions. We have um, smart homes where we can adjust thermostats and, and we can adjust lighting and lock doors at certain times based on habits, based on habitual patterns. Um, and so when you look at the history of where we've come from and where it is, what you see is it's, it starts to make lives a lot simpler, a lot easier. We can be a lot more um, regimented with our time and focus our energy in, in, uh, on things that are, are maybe more important. Um, and it's going to go along the same for businesses. Right? Businesses are going to have a huge tailwind with the implementation of AI, and we've seen the adoption of that on the customer side pretty quickly. Right? It, there's been an unprecedented level of adoption when it comes to individuals. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but it took Netflix three and a half years to get a million users, which was a, a pretty uh, astounding benchmark. Uh, it took Facebook 10 months. It took Instagram three months, it took ChatGPT five days to get a million users, five days. So from an implementation and adoption side, it looks like we've all bought into it, but from an enterprise level size, from the big businesses, I don't think that adoption is gonna be as easy. What do you think, Sasan? Do you think there's gonna be challenges and headwinds to adoption? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think when we're, we both agree, I think that AI is gonna be a transformative force in the society, in the global economies, but adoption for organizations and companies is gonna come with uh, huge challenges. So most of you invested in maybe private equity type uh, uh, closed end funds are familiar with the concept of J-curve. So that means that initially uh, strategy is going to have a dip in returns because of fees and expenses. And then as assets are added and they generate return, and returns uh, move into the positive territory. The same concept applies to adoption with organizations as well. So 
there is an initial disruption where productivity is going to dip. So that's associated with some of the traditional workflows and processes are going to become obsolete or they're going to have to be modified. And that is by the time the companies get going, kind of recognizing what the issues are and how to, how to incorporate new processes, there's going to be an initial dip in productivity. The second stage, uh, Mike, that we've identified is, uh, is kind of the reskilling and adaptation that has to go on with the workforce. So the workforce has to be trained or retrained to be able to work with an AI system and be able to use it effectively. So that's also going to take time. It's obviously dependent on each industry and the readiness of each industry to be able to uh, adopt uh, artificial intelligence. The third stage is really the, where some benefits of AI is gonna materialize. So we're looking at companies at that time, once these initial hurdles have been overcome, they're able to optimize their processes and they're going to be able to use AI to basically improve productivity uh, at their organizations. The last stage is really the enhanced productivity that's gonna come in once AI is fully deployed across different industries. I was just actually reading a few weeks ago a report from Goldman Sachs. Uh, it's talking about uh, productivity is going to grow at plus a one and a half percent rate once AI is fully deployed. So when you think about the growth in the economy, there are two drivers mainly is the working force uh, population growth and also the product productivity growth. So working force pro uh, uh, population growth has been a little bit stagnant in the US, so the majority of the uh, growth in the economy has to come from productivity, and if Goldman is right about the projections on productivity, uh, then it's gonna be a huge game changer going forward. So kind of, uh, kind of shifting toward the, uh, some real life implications of AI, Mike, you and I have kind of identified two areas uh, in global health and education where there is huge need, uh, but not enough human capital. Uh, so we think that those are two areas that are gonna get impacted the most. Uh, if you can maybe start uh, by talking about how AI can get integrated into education, and then I'll move on to healthcare. Yeah, thank you. I think education is one of those topics that impacts all of us, whether it's for ourselves, personal education, for our kids, for our grandkids. Um, we can relate to our own struggles going through our own education processes and, and experiences. Um, but AI is gonna change the education landscape tremendously, and I think the three biggest benefits that we can see before I dive into example are our first, personalization. Um, when you have an AI system implemented in a school, it'll really help the kids quickly identify their strengths, weaknesses, and their learning type, right? And that way it's not up to the teacher to have to uh, focus individually on each one and try to create a, a specific learning path. I think second is data-driven decision-making. Um, having the analytics to make decisions on problem solving, uh, solving problems or resource allocation and creating strategies for troubled students. Um, is a big deal. And then the last, I think, big improvement that we'll see with education is accessibility uh, and equality, right? With 
the new AI type of systems, you're going to have the ability to level the playing field for disabled or for people with geographic or financial restrictions because of things like speech recognition or speech to text or translation and 24-7 assistance. Um, and I think that's the most exciting part. And, and to, to kind of bring it all together, I wanted to give you a real-life example. I have a daughter. Um, she's five, but for the, the story, I'm going to pretend that she's a sophomore in high school. So Taylor walks into to her, her first day as a sophomore in high school, and she sits in her math class, and she's notoriously had a little bit of trouble in math, unlike her dad, who was a, a perfect-day student. Um, I hope you guys are verifying this. But she sits down, and the first thing she does to her surprise, is take a diagnostic test, an assessment test, because her school had just adopted an AI tutor program. So she goes through this test, and the test then identifies her strengths, weaknesses, and her learning style. And it, it comes out to show that she actually excels in geometry, but is having trouble for keeping up with algebraic equations. So the next thing that happens is it'll create a customized path for Taylor moving forward. So instead of the next assignment being general math equations, it's going to be to have specific algebraic equations based on her level that will start to get harder as she starts to improve. Now, with that also comes real-time feedback. If she's in the middle of an equation and having problems, it will give her hints to help her, and it understands her learning style, so it knows how to kind of uh, launch those hints. If she gets a question wrong, it'll show her why she got it wrong, how she got it wrong, and how to fix it. Um, and then the tracking on that is incredible. You've got a dashboard that she can go back to and see where she has come to from where she started so that the teacher could then sit down with her and say, okay, you're, you're really efficient in this area. You're still lacking in this area. Let's create a personalized plan to where I'm spending time with you to really help you overcome the, the challenges that you're having. Um, with this program, there's also a gamification um, part of it where it's keeping her motivated because she's getting coins and rewards for the more work that she does, and that might lead to a free homework pass or you know, a piece of candy, which might not work in high school, but it does now. Um, and, and so the, the way that it could keep children engaged and motivated to learn and level the playing field there, I think, is, is pretty incredible. And then the accessibility. Right? When, when Taylor was graduating preschool last year, she said on stage like this, and she's, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, I want to be a hip-hop party girl. It was, it was one of my proudest moments. But um, she's now going to have the opportunity to be that hip-hop party girl. She can go to her hip-hop classes after school if she needs to do her tutoring before school, during lunch, after school. There's no excuse. She'll have uh, uh, um, access to that tutoring at any time. So I think there's a lot that can be done with with education, and, and I know you're passionate about medicine. Where, where do we see the impact in, in medicine or, or healthcare? Absolutely, so um, I think the, the biggest impact right away uh, that AI can have on global healthcare is really gonna be felt in the emerging economies or frontier economies. So this is where access to healthcare is very limited and the majority of under five-year-old deaths occur. So this is where AI can make a huge impact. So right now, for example, there are uh, uh, ultrasound machines that can be operated using AI with minimal training. Uh, that's one example of improving healthcare in those uh, in poor countries. Obviously, AI systems have to be trained on diseases in developing countries versus developed countries. Uh, there are many uh, restrictions in 
in developing countries that have to be accounted for. And AI systems are prone to making mistakes, but so are humans. So basically, uh, it's better to have some access to healthcare rather than not having access at all. Uh, so kind of moving to developed uh, nations in the US, for example, the most immediate impact that's already being felt is really on the administrative side that we can help, help healthcare professionals uh, file insurance claims, organize patient data and document uh, things. And those are, those are really the immediate improvements that we can make in uh, productivity in the, in the healthcare system. So a couple of examples just uh, uh, giving that area, as you know, Medical records are, for example, they're very dense and complicated, and they're usually stored on different platforms. So a company called Meditech right now is using AI system to organize this data and put it all together under one roof. Uh, so that, that's very important. There's another company, HCA Healthcare, right now is piloting a program where physicians can use uh, hands-free devices basically to securely uh, create medical notes after patient meetings. Uh, so once these notes are created, the physician can review it, and it's all going to be stored in uh, electronic health records, so under one roof again. It's very important. The main thing in medicine, I think that's going to be a game changer uh, that, that I'm personally very, very passionate about, is really the convergence of big data analytics and genomic sciences. So I think we all uh, have experienced uh, loved ones dying from cancer and other diseases. And there are ways to improve and basically cure these diseases. And I think what's been missing is the uh, technological aspect of it. So uh, when you're kind of looking at biological uh, records, they're obviously uh, very dense and very complicated. AI systems can look at the biological systems and come up with uh, ways where they can find drugs uh, that are going to cure diseases. So when you're looking at what modern medicine tries to accomplish, basically they're looking at dysfunctional proteins and they try to find another protein that's going to basically modify the behavior of that dysfunctional protein. And uh, that's, how, that's what's called a drug. That's how a drug is developed. So when you're looking at uh, proteins, they're complicated uh, molecules. They're made up of over 100,000 amino acids. Uh, so they're very complicated to analyze, and AI systems can help to do that. Right now, when you're looking at uh, kind of creating a protein that's going to uh, dock to another protein to basically solve, uh, cure a disease, there is a lab at University of Washington, Baker Lab, that's using an NVIDIA chip, basically to design a 100 amino acid protein in 11 seconds. And now, when you look at what used to be done, it used to take eight and a half minutes. So that's almost a 50x improvement in being able to uh, create a protein that can dock to another protein and, and cure these diseases. So I'm very uh, passionate about this area of medicine. I think we're maybe at the beginning stages of a golden age of uh, genomics. So again, we've talked about some of the benefits, Mike. Uh, why don't you 
maybe go through some regulations and risks that you see in AI? Yeah, I think that's probably just as top of mind for people. We are running out of time, so I'll try to, to keep this brief. When you think about regulation as, as a headwind, um, the U.S. takes leadership in technology and AI very seriously. Um, they see it as a, a, a true um, necessity for national security. And with the way that our relationship with China has been going, kind of decoupling um, the tech sectors, uh, we see that as, as a real headwind for chip-making companies and for the next-gen um, companies in technology. So it's something for us to keep uh, a lookout for and, and for us to be educated on. Um, but then when you look at other risks, um, I think what's top of mind for a lot of people are job displacement, right? Is AI going to come in and replace the jobs? And, and it's very possible that for task-oriented jobs that are simple and repetitive, um, we're already starting to see that in things like fast food restaurants. Um, but as opposed to being scared of job replacement, I think we need to refocus on what the skill set needs to be for the new jobs that are going to be created, right? And, and making sure that we're equipped for that moving forward. Um, another risk is, is bias, and, and that is a big risk with AI because the output is only good as the input. And for a lot of data that's out there, there's inherent bias. And if there's bias going in, then we're, the, the risk is that there's an accelerated bias going out, right? So I think whether it's in things like lending or criminal justice or hiring, we need to be really careful and ethical on the data that we have that we're using. Um, and then the third risk, I think that's top of mind um, for people, is we are at 20 minutes, so uh, <laughs> I apologize, and that is that I talk too much. Um, the third risk is privacy and security. Uh, and with that, I think we, we've all started to experience that. I think you read stories about a grandfather who gets a call from their grandson, and he needs money because he's in trouble, and lo and behold, he provides the money, and he finds out that it wasn't his grandson, that there was an AI program that took his grandson's voice, right? So I think security is a, is a huge topic that, uh, that is a risk moving forward and also something that, that uh, needs to be educated on. Um, but if you wanted to dive into the winners and losers for a minute. I think we're over time, but uh, Mike and I are going to be around, uh, I think, to discuss. If you have any questions, we'll talk about winners and losers. So again, our... Uh, Presentation was on AI, artificial intelligence, and I promise the rest of the sessions are all about real intelligence. So thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us, and we hope this episode has provided you with a roadmap to feel more confident as an investor. To receive notifications about weekly episodes, email us at financialcommute at mortonwealth.com.